Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. It is 10-11. She be a Tuesday, the 19th day of September 2023. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Great to have you along with us this morning. Hope everyone had a good weekend, being that mine was a little longer. Thanks to Dave for helping out yesterday and uh, putting up with the fact that I forgot to tell Jeff Papis to call today instead of yesterday, so glad they got him on. Talking Bulldog football. Don't forget, Saturday's uh, Bulldog football game, by the way, versus Southwest Minnesota State Live from Marshall, Minnesota, will be on Cat 98.9, our coverage at 12.30. And the kickoff at 1, you can download the Cat 98.9 mobile app wherever you get your apps, listen for free, or go to catcountry989.com and get the live stream there on Saturday afternoon as the Bulldogs look to get to 4-0 and zero on the campaign. Uh, last week, we were at NCHC Media Day in St. Paul. You've heard a couple of sets of conversations. We had St. Cloud State on Friday. It's podcastable at kdal610.com. It is on my to-do list today to get the Western Michigan conversations from yesterday uh, spliced together and put up on the website. We'll do that as well. And you can listen to those there with uh, their captain, Luke Granger, and head coach, Pat Firstweiler. You'll hear more from uh, the NCHC players and coaches as the week goes on. And the weeks go on. We are, uh, math, I think we are now at 18 days away from opening night at Amsoil Arena, October 7th, UMD Michigan Tech at 7 o'clock here on KDAL. Also on Wednesday, I had an opportunity to sit down with the new NCHC Director of Officiating. Fun conversation here with the great Mike Schmitz. Uh, first off, you know, this was this has been 10 years now, and, and I, I think the, you know, people that listen to the games might think otherwise, but I think the officiating in this league is still the best in the country. And I think it's been that way pretty much from day one. You know, what can you say about what's been done by everybody in this league to build what we have right now? Well, I think you bring a good point, Bruce, is that I think it is probably the top officiating in the college hockey. And I think, you know, Don, when he uh, started this program, Don Adam, is, uh, he brought in uh, cable guys. And, uh, and the biggest thing is that the supervisors were the only league that has supervisors at every game um and that you know that model is going to stay the way it is right now and i think that with the supervisors there it gives a little bit more accountability to the guys on the ice is that uh they know that there's somebody watching them um it's easy to watch the games on, on home on tv but having that person there that can come down between periods if we have to we can come down there between periods we don't like to do that but we do come down there and do that but also after the game you know, why did you not make this call? Why did you make that call? They have to explain the calls to us and make those make those transitions. And so I think that's just the program itself has, has been that way with supervisors and with the quality of staff that we, we have. Is it harder now to, to find officials? I mean, we, we see this at the high school level. I, I just saw a blast from a couple of high schools in our area. Look, they're begging for people to come ref soccer games because they just they literally do not have enough people to cover the games that are being played. And I know you're still new at this in terms of actually going out and finding the officials that are going to work in this league. But is it harder to – are there fewer of those people to find in the first place? Absolutely, and I'm finding that right now because when 
we announced that ASU is coming to our league. I said, I have to find more officials. And I've been actively doing that right now, reaching out to the East Coast League, uh, Scotty Zelk with the USHL, and trying to do that. And what's happening is it's just a change of generations. It's, um, and I just talked to this at the coaches' meeting this morning about officiating, is that the guys, when I refereed 20 years ago, uh, it, it, that was it. When the hockey season came, I refereed on the weekends. I didn't take off my niece's sister's birthday party. But things have changed a little bit nowadays, and, and guys want their family time, and I can respect that. So we have to work around that about, you know, getting the schedule out a little bit earlier. What I've done now this year is I've made the schedule so guys know when they're working from October 7th, the schedule's up until January 5th. So now they know where they're working so they can take that, weekend off the end of November if they have a family vacation they can do that and that's the biggest thing is working around the schedules the family lives just it's just not what it used to be back in when we the old days I want to say is that you know we just went on the weekends that's where we were after it's they got to get the family values in there and then family time and work time too visiting with the director of officiating of the NCHC Mike Schmidt from a standpoint of of the, of the people that you're going to have, what what kind of staff do you think is ideal? I, I think about a league like this, and I think, well, you got to have some veterans, but you also want to have some young guys that, that they want to advance in, in this in this business and, and go far you know, and go and go for pro hockey. Yeah, and and that's that's a fine that's a fine line. So basically, like this year, we have two new guys coming in that are in our league already. Justin Hills, who's been one of our top linesmen for the last 10 years. He's moving to refing. He's been D3 referee, USHL referee. Eric Contino out of uh, Denver, same thing. He's not going to work as many games as Justin because he still wants a shot at doing the NCAAs as a linesman. So those guys have been in our league for 10 years. They know the players. They know the coaches. They know how everything's run. So those individuals, be, they'll just be fine. And then also we're bringing in a couple of pro guys, uh, ex-pro guys, uh, American Hockey League guy. We have another individual that came from the uh, USHL. Uh, he did last Clark Cup Finals. And his trajectory, I don't want to say stalled, but he knows he's not going to make the NHL. So now he comes over to the college ranks. And that's what we have to find. We have to find that balance of guys that are not going to go to the NHL anymore. So they're going to come back down and, and find, uh, you know, the college hockey. They love it because it's weekends. It's not Tuesday, Wednesday night. It's not the grind. And also we have to look at some of our officials that are linesmen that maybe can make that transition to referee. Not everybody can, but some some can. Some can, and we, we know we use Sterling Egan and Brandon Schmidt as examples. Those two individuals were linesmen. They made the transition. They've done a good job. How much harder is the game to officiate now than maybe it was when you, when you were refing? Well, it's. I would say it's. It's. It might. Some might say it's easier because you have two referees. When I referee is one referee, but it's also harder because of the thing called video replay that we all love. And <laughs> um, you know, so I mean, the guys know that they're under more scrutiny with video replay. That they feel they have to get it right. Um, or do we review this or don't we review this? Well, we have the tools. Should we or should we not review it? So I think it's. I think the whole social media thing has made it harder. But I think with the two mat, two uh, referees out there, it's maybe slowed the game down a little bit. You don't have to be you know up on it as much as 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 you did in the past. But I think it's the biggest thing is the social media and video has made the biggest change. HD TV too, because now oh, you can yes. see everything. Absolutely, for better or for worse. <laughs> I agree with you there. Um, you know, as we look ahead here, and and, and you take over as as the director of officiating, you know. Is there anything you're looking to change? I mean, it's maybe that's a is overly simplistic question, but 
it's new for you. It's new for, for yep. the coaches. It's new for, for the officials to have you running the program. Is, is there anything fundamentally you think needs to be changed? No, and I'm not going to come in and make big drastic changes. A lot of the changes are going to be behind the scenes. It's going to be one of the things is going to be communication. Um, probably the biggest hit is that the communication wasn't there uh, between uh, officials, uh, supervisors. You know, I'm going to be basically, my phone is open to the coaches. Um, We're going to talk about things. I'm, I'm always going to be able to talk to them. My phone is always open to them. Supervisors are going to be basically, we're going to meet every weekly with them. I'm going to meet with the supervisors. We're going to be going into transparency into the weekends, talking to the coaches. There's going to be a lot more going back and forth with with the coaches. And I think I already alluded to earlier is that maybe the morale on the Icemore officials has been not there the last three or four years, but some of it's the scheduling. They want the schedules out so they can do things with their family. Now that that's out, okay, here it is, guys. Now let's see that product on the ice. So I'm not going to make drastic changes right away with personnel or anything of that nature. You, you talked about the, the program of having supervisors at every game, and, and that's how you and I got to know each other, yep. seeing, seeing you at all these games and, and – watching how you communicate with the coaches because that's such an important part of, of that job you know for you now overseeing the whole thing how important is it to have them to have that conduit between the officials and the coaches someone that you know the coaches can say why wasn't this called now you've got someone that can actually answer the question it's huge bruce and i i look at it as that the coaches a lot of times when they're talking to you they just want somebody to listen to them it was kind of we're kind of like psychologists sometimes that mm-hmm. you just let them listen you listen and get the you know get their beef into you and and, and you can talk it over and uh but i think the supervisors are huge because they they are i mean i and we learn things i just talked about this today in the coaches meeting i might not i look at a game differently than a coach does so he might tell me during face-offs that the right wingers getting locked up on i'm not even looking at that but when they tell me that i'm going wow you're right so i can go relate that to the officials and and I, and I think I think that's just a more important thing. And, and this year, I did hire a couple more supervisors. I think one that's going to bring a lot to it. I hired Dave Jackson, uh, 28-year veteran yeah. with the NHL. He does the ESPN yeah, the uh, rules analyst. Rules analyst. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he seems Please. to be just really excited. And he's going to be out of Denver area making some trips. And uh, I hired a blast from the past, Todd Anderson. Some people <laughs> might or might not be happy with that one, but uh, but Todd's going to be limited capacity. But I think he's going to do a good job also. I think that's one of our first interactions might have been involving uh, Todd and, and the penalty shot call in North Dakota. The back penalty, in 2016. the penalty shot. Yes, is it still called that? Is it I still think the it, penalty I think, shot? I think it is. I think it's referred to a lot of times. <laughs> I uh, I still tell the story. Uh, Alec Johnson is now the SID for North Dakota. He was an intern at the time. So Alec runs upstairs because both the radio booths and the TV booth are all upstairs in that press box at, at Ralph Engelstead Arena. So that goal happens, and you can imagine how the mood is at the visit, visiting radio spot. I was seething, <laughs> trying to be as diplomatic as possible about it, but I was seething. And so Alec comes upstairs, and he's going to write the last time North Dakota won a game on an overtime penalty shot on my piece, so I could relay it to the audience. And there's two teams on the ice. I have no problem relaying this information. But at the time, I wanted to throw his pen on the ice. And I told him that the next night. I said, you have no idea how close you came to having your pen chucked on the ice. Because by then, the ice was empty. It wouldn't, oh, yeah. have, it wouldn't have hurt anybody. But that oh, was yeah. th- then the next night. I caught caught between you and, and Scott Sandlin as you were and you were extremely diplomatic 
And you, like you said, you listened, which I think yeah. was all Scott was looking for at yep, the time. Exactly. That's what you do. Sometimes you have to do that. Exactly. So. Exactly. Video replay. You've been, it, it has certainly changed the game. It's changed the way the game is officiated. The number one complaint that I hear from fans, you can probably figure out what it is. Absolutely. It's how long it takes sometimes for one that, and they're watching the game like we are. They see the replay like I do at Amzo on that on that nice little monitor yep. I have in the booth, and it looks so obvious. Whatever it is, it, it could be good, it could be bad, but it looks obvious, and it ta- it feels like it takes for. There's a lot of reasons. There's layers to this. It's not as simple as it might sound, right? Absolutely, and and that one angle you're seeing, what shows it's obvious. You got to remember, we have six to eight angles we're yeah. looking at, and we have to go through every one of those angles to make sure that the call is. Because there's one time last year where I saw seven angles. I'm going, it's this, and I saw that one eighth angle going, holy cow, it isn't that. So those are the things going through. And also, sometimes you run into technology issues because sometimes with the in-house cameras looking, and like when I'm there, I'm helping out. The on-ice guys make the decision, but I'll look at the camera, TV camera, and say, I want that angle because the TV camera caught something. Now we got a call to the truck. Try to reroute the, the the truck's production through ours our system, which takes time out there. That's part of it, Bruce, but some of it is our guys look at it too long. And, and the longer you look at it, the more things you see into it. And, then, and that's what I'm going to profess to these guys is that look at it, be confident with your call that was on the ice, your call or no call that you made, and go look at it. And if you see it right away, let's not look at it 10 or 20 more times because you're going to start seeing things you don't want to see. And it's a fine line, right? Because you want to make sure you see whatever it is that you're you're looking at. You want to make sure you see it the way it happened. But at the same time, like you said, the longer that you look, if you could look at it not long enough and then you don't see it. True. But then you could also look at it too long because you're trying to you're trying to start to talk yourself out of what you're seeing in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And you start seeing different things like, yeah. well, did that guy raise his elbow or didn't he? And you just start looking at it. It's just going, you know, look at it, go with your gut feeling. Usually your gut feeling is the right feeling. And I'll, and I'll just reference for, for folks that follow. If you watch boxing or MMA, the fight game, you know, if you watch a fight and you see a, a stoppage because of an alleged low blow, you'll watch the replay. You'll see three angles that show it's a low blow. Then you see one of wait, he didn't hit him where I thought he hit him. That does happen sometimes. Yes. And so, it, like we said, it's not always as black and white as it might seem. No, man. And you're right. But going back to it is that we do have to speed up our video yeah. if we can. Find ways to do it and do it better and do it quicker. Do you think that it, it wasn't much of a change because it's not a rule change year, but do you think that changing it where the coaches can't challenge for too many men, do you think that's a good thing? Well, I, I think it – no, one of our coaches at the meeting does not think it's a good, a good thing. Cause, I'm not surprised by that. You know, because he does, because it could have haunted him last year. But I think it is a good thing because there's too many variables in that rule. It was like, did the guy have a direct impact that was on the ice? And I think, again, we go back to review. The guys looked at it too much and going, well, did he have impact? Because, like, what we're getting into is the guy coming off the ice, it turned into a three on two. But then the coach was saying, well, that guy came on the ice, so it was illegal. My other defenseman had to look at him. He had no impact on the play. He never touched the puck, but a goal scored. But the same, well, my defenseman was looking at him. Well, okay, but the, so now it just takes that out of there, and we just have to be better as linesmen. If we got too many men, we got to call it. Do you think that the college game, it, there was an effort made to tighten up too many men a few years ago? 
Do you think it worked? It, it feels like it, like I watch pro games all the time. It feels like the pro game is still a little bit looser than the college game when it comes to, to the, the line changes and, and what call, yeah. what gets called and what doesn't. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. And you know we've we've gone to a couple changes the last five or eight years. You know you used to have to be touching the bench right at the bench. Now you're within that five feet radius yeah. of the bench. And I think I think we're I think we have it right now. We just have to make sure that in those end games and especially when you have that break when that guy is coming off the ice you know 40 feet down he jumps on a little quick we just got to tell the linesman you got to hammer that and that's that's call you have to make a couple more for the new director of officiating in the nchc mike schmidt uh protocol stuff tell me tell me some of this is is getting loosened up a little bit well the protocol i think we're talking about is uh at the end of the period he's not going to the locker room yeah. i imagine and and uh I think we had. I was in one. Is it was, it was uh, St. Cloud and Bemidji. We had a call on Bemidji, um, and uh, Tom Saratori, as you can imagine, was not very happy with that. No, can't imagine <laughs> and, he would uh, be. So I, I think I think the teams got they 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 found out they got people got called on it a little bit, and I we, it wasn't even discussed in our coaches' meeting. So I think that we all are on board on it. I'm going to tell our officials this weekend we have referees camp that all right. We, we, we understand what it's about, but if a guy goes like five feet out just to tap his goal, goalie when he's coming out, no, we're not going to call that. Now, if the whole team goes down there, we got another issue, but I, right. think, I think we're over that hurdle right now. Is there anything that you would like to see? Because you know, next year is a rule change year. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you'd like to see done, whether it be speeding up the game or, or someone making the game better? You know, not, nothing sticks out at me at the, this point in time. I mean, it goes back to me is that, the video replay and what I, what we're doing with our guys, I'm going to be instructing them is that if you see that, let's say a guy gets hit in center ice and he it's a, it's a huge hit and maybe he does get a dozen, but he crawls off the ice, the play goes on the next whistle, the guys come together. And if they all four say that's a good hit, there's not a reason to go look at it. Okay. So the coach has an option to challenge it. So let the coach challenge it. Again, be confident with your call on the ice. So that's the way we can speed it up. But I don't think that's involving a rule change per se. That's just uh, that's the thing I'm going to reiterate to our guys this year to maybe make the game a little bit better. But I think right now the rules are where where we should be, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see what happens. That is the new director of officiating in the NCHC, Mike Schmidt. Uh, Mike and I go back uh, quite a while, and I will just I said this when he got hired. I'll say it again right here on the record in front of everybody. I think he is tremendous. I, I think there, there's a – you can sense a, a really good attitude from the coaches about this move, which is good. And, you know, it's going to open, I think, some lines of communication that I'm not going to say they weren't open before, but I think there might have been perception that they weren't open, if you know what I mean. 10-29. Got some news to get to. We'll do that as we continue on a Tuesday morning. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We'll talk Minnesota football after this. During the month of September, the Gophers and Cub are teaming up for a program called Cub Kindness. This vendor-supported promotion helps to raise dollars for the Gopher Row the Boat Fund at Masonic Children's Hospital. Please consider donating at the register during this time. And while at Cub, pick up your favorite General Mills, Nestle, Kellogg's, and Unilever products. Cub, proud sponsor and official grocer of Gopher Athletics.
Golden Gopher football coach P.J. Fleck says he's comfortable with quarterback Ethan Kaliak-Manis and his potential. We have an inexperienced quarterback. He's got a lot to learn. There's been some times he's done some amazing things that you all see why that, that hope is there, that coachability is there, that want to is there, right? And then there's some times you're like, okay, this is why he's young. This is why he's inexperienced. And that comes out. And you can either throw that out or you can keep investing. And you all know me. You keep investing. You keep investing. He's got incredible talent, and he's an amazing young man, and he's learning how to be able to do it all. And I know we want it done faster, and so does he. And he knows. That's why in his press conference, I even had to talk about his press conferences. I didn't talk to him prior to that. I mean, that's the type of kid he is. He cares so much about leading this football team, and I love that about him. We can work with that. You know, he'll get better as the year goes on. And you can see we're not, oh, didn't throw that. We're not throwing it again. Nope. I mean, I've done that before. I mean, I think you can all say that. We're committed to the, the, the strength and, the, and changing how we do things. Not just to do it, because it's best for this football team. We're committed to doing it. Fleck, Callie Igmanis, and the rest of the Golden Gophers will visit Northwestern this Saturday night with a 6.30 kickoff. For more info, go to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Graham. Coast to coast. They're right there in front of us. They don't see them. Late nights on KDAL. There's some news that we will be covering here in a little bit that has just broken in the last half hour or so. If you're a Wild fan, you'll want to be listening. It's good news. Don't worry. We'll do that. We'll set you up for the rest of the week on the radio show. And more to come on this Tuesday morning Bruce Siski show. CBS News is next. It's 1036 on KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. I've always wanted to be in the witness protection program. Fresh start. No debts, no baggage. I've already got my name picked out. Lord Rupert Everton. I'm a, uh, a shipping merchant who raises fancy dogs. That's the life. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10.41, Tuesday morning edition continues. Uh, later on this week, no show tomorrow, early Twins game. Actually, 11 a.m. pregame. Brad's on for an hour tomorrow, 10 to 11. And then Twins baseball, 11 a.m. as they take on the Reds one more time in Cincinnati. We are back Thursday. UMD men's hockey head coach Scott Sandlin scheduled to join us on the radio show Thursday. And we'll get a season preview from him. I believe he's joining us from Pittsburgh in the USHL Showcase happening out there this week. And we'll also be joined by UMD soccer co-captain Sarah Stang. Bulldogs off a win over Crookston Sunday where Anatobius set an all-time NCAA Division II record for the fastest hat trick, scoring three goals in a minute and eight seconds. We'll talk about that win and set you up for another weekend at home for Bulldog soccer at Miloski Stadium. Uh, that was Sarah Stang on the radio show Thursday. Uh, Friday, Matt Wellens, Duluth News Tribune. We talked some Bulldog hockey men's and women's PWHL draft happened yesterday. Uh, more on that in a second. But, uh, we'll get, try to get Matt. I got to talk to Matt today and we'll uh, get him locked in for Friday morning if uh, that works out for him. Uh, otherwise, we'll have some more NCHC Media Day stuff for you on Friday. Plenty of that as we uh, the run up to the season opener on October the 7th. Just announced in the last half hour, uh, UMD and the deck proud to host the Minnesota Wild for an open practice on Tuesday, October 3rd, two weeks from today, 11.30 until 12.30 at Amsoil Arena as the, Bull, uh, the Wild will be in Duluth with their full roster. 
uh, finishing up preseason activities. I think they're in between a couple of preseason games uh, with this particular stop in Duluth. I want to say they're home on October 5th for a preseason game at the X, and they think they've got one that previous weekend, and in between that they're coming up to do the normal team bonding bit that they've done uh, in Duluth in the past. Let's uh, double-check the schedule. Yeah, they play October, th- October 30th. How about September 30th at home against Chicago? And then they are off until October 5th in Chicago. That's what it is. So uh, they'll be in Duluth prior to that and looking forward to hosting them again. Uh, We are still in the midst of trying to get things figured out. My expectation is that the radio show will be there that morning. Obviously, things can change, and we'll try to get a couple of wild-related guessing. Last time they came up, we had Billy Garrett on the radio show, which is great. We can do that again. That'd be awesome. So we'll see if we can get that worked out with the uh, wild folks here in the next few days. Uh, they were up here in 2021, over 1,000 people in attendance for a practice. Yeah. Uh, free events open to the public, free parking as well. Uh, doors open at 11 a.m. Tuesday, October 3rd at Amsoil, a little Minnesota wild open practice. We'll, uh, we'll have more on that event as it approaches here in Duluth. Looking forward to it, as always. I mentioned the PWHL draft was yesterday. And so they set this thing up. This has been very, I don't want to say haphazard, but let's just say that it, it's been quick. This has been a a very, very swift rollout of this new league after they dissolved the PHF a few months back. So uh, they allowed each of these six teams, Minnesota, Ottawa, New York, Boston, Toronto, and Montreal to sign three free agents, and they had 254 players declare for this draft that took place yesterday. Uh, each team, 15 rounds, so they took six players, uh, six teams, 15 rounds. That's 90 picks. Of the 90, 84 of them played college hockey. Nobody had more alums drafted than UMD. How about that? 11 former Bulldogs taken in this draft. The first of those was the second one off the board. Former UMD defender Jocelyn LaRock, the second overall pick of the draft, going to Toronto, two-time national champion at UMD 2008-2010. LaRock has been a standout for the Canadian national team. They just won a gold in the... uh, as one, she said she won gold in the world championships playing with Ashton Bell. Also won gold in the 2022 Olympics with Bell in Beijing. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, good for her. She's had a tremendous career for Hockey Canada since leaving UMD. And uh, glad to see her going as early as she did in this draft to Toronto. Uh, former Gopher forward Taylor Heisey went first overall to the Minnesota team. None of these teams have names yet, which I thought was kind of weird. That, But this draft had to happen when it did. It, this was not... They couldn't wait a whole lot longer to get these teams lined up a little bit. So now each team has upwards of 18 players. They can take a maximum of 28 players to training camp when that starts in November, and their rosters are maxed out at 23 players when the season starts in January. We don't know where all these teams are going to play home games. It has been reported Michael Russo and others have said that the Minnesota team will play its home games at Excel Energy Center in St. Paul. So here's the list of ex-Bulldogs that were drafted. I mentioned uh, throughout the morning here with Dave. You can read more of Matt at the Duluth News Tribune website, DuluthNewsTribune.com. Ashton Bell, Gabby Hughes, and... uh, uh, Michaela, uh, not Michaela Kava, sorry. Uh, Ashton Bell, Gabby Hughes go to the Ottawa team. 
Uh, Bell went second round, and Hughes went in the fourth round. Also, Katarina Marizova from Czechia. Uh, she goes to Ottawa as well. She was picked in the eighth round. Uh, Boston took goaltender Emma Soderberg. Also, forward Elizabeth Jaguer. Minnesota has four ex-Bulldogs as they take Maggie Flaherty, Sydney Brott, Sydney Moore, and Michaela Cava. So cool to see the Minnesota team loading up on Minnesota talent. Makes all the sense in the world. Montreal was the only PWHL team to not take a UMV alum as Boston took Jess Healy, former UMV defender, at pick number 87 in the 15th round. So uh, five of the six teams have ex-Bulldogs going into training camp. And we'll see where uh, other players that didn't get taken. Maddie Rooney didn't get taken. I think that's probably the the headline player as far as UMD alums that did not get drafted. And we'll see what happens here as the uh, run-up to the season continues and teams continue to build out their rosters. And if uh, somebody takes a shot at Maddie Rooney, who, of course, won a gold medal herself at the Olympics in 2018. Uh, Bulldog women, by the way, preseason. The USCH poll has them at number seven. They open October 6th at home against Long Island University. Head coach Morta Kroll is going to be with us, I think, the week of that game at some point on the radio show for a season preview. Uh, mentioned Twins and Reds. They uh, wrap up that series with that 11.30 a.m. start tomorrow, but they will continue the series at 5.40 today. Kenta Maeda versus Fernando Cruz, the pitching matchup. Uh, Reds won last night 7-3, but the Guardians also lost to put the Twins' magic number for the AL Central title down to 5 the Brewers' magic number stays at 7 in the NL Central. one nothing loss in St. Louis last night. They were uh, once again flummoxed by Adam Wainwright, who is 22-13, and 13, I think, now in his career against the Brewers. That's 22 of his 200 wins against Milwaukee. Uh, he, the Brewers aren't going to miss him. He's 42, Wainwright is. Uh, looks like he's set to retire at the end of the season couple of other notes I wanted to cover this morning. UMD senior Kalen Madison, the NSIC Volleyball Defensive Player of the Week for the second time in three weeks. 36 digs over three set sweeps of Marion Minot State over the weekend. Madison 17th in the country at 5.48 digs per set. The Bulldogs held Marion Minot to a combined 0.87 hitting percentage this past weekend. UMD is 7th in the Division II coaches poll this week. Wayne State beat Concordia Friday, takes the top spot from their NSIC rivals. Concordia drops to third, St. Cloud sixth, UMD seventh, Southwest State is ninth. So UMD is five, or UMD, sorry, the NSIC has five of the top nine teams. My goodness. Northern State Friday, Moorhead Saturday at Romano. Well, the Bulldogs tickets, umdbulldogs.com. Come out, watch these, uh, watch this awesome team play. St. Scholastica junior linebacker Anthony Vaux, the Mayak Defensive Player of the Week. Nine tackles, one sack, and a touchdown as the Saints knocked off crown Saturday 38-18 at Walt Hunting Stadium. Vaux is the first St. Scholastica football player to win a Mayak Award since the uh, Saints joined the conference in 2021. Mayak play opens up on Saturday afternoon for St. Scholastica at home against Concordia Moorhead. All right, that'll about wrap things up on this Tuesday. We'll wrap up the show in just a couple of moments. Ryan Phelps standing by with the prep update as always. 10.50 our time, Bruce Siski Show, Tuesday morning, 610, 103.9 KDAL. Your Twin Ports home for UMB Bulldog Hockey. Shot score, UMB! KDAL. October 7th, Bulldogs versus Michigan Tech. 7 o'clock here on KDAL U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game. 
at Amsoil Arena. We are not here tomorrow. Brad's on at 10, 10 to 11 for Brad. Then the Twins pregame 11 a.m. against Cincinnati. We are back on Thursday. Speaking of Bulldog hockey, men's coach Scott Sandlin joins with a season preview. Also, we'll hear from UMD Soccer's co-captain, Sarah Stang. Brad and Kenny sound off after the news. Have a great day. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28, FBFF, and 610 KDAL, Delusive Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.